It's good to see all of you out, and we're going to continue trudging forward with this series we've been doing with the overcomers. Have you got anything out of it? I need some feedback. Have you got anything out of it? There's been a whole lot to apply. There's been a whole lot to chew on and digest. I'm still chewing on it. I took it in before I took it, gave it to y'all, and I'm still chewing, and God's still showing things. And, and we got to hold on to him because he's getting his bride ready. He will come back for a bride that has made herself ready. The bride, if you're new to the church and you don't know the church jargon and, and, and talk, the bride is us, the church, the body of believers. Look at yourself as if you're a little tiny molecule in a big body. You're one of them. You're placed where he wants you. You're doing what he's asked you to do. So worldwide, he's coming back for his bride that's made herself ready. That has what has spurred this on. I've had a lot of questions. God has been able to reveal things, and I thank him for it. Uh, last week, it almost seems like it's a long time ago. It's been a busy week. But last week we talked about repentance, didn't we? Sunday morning. Isn't that what we talked about? Repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. Plain and simple, we can't get around it. We can't make it any way we want. Uh, we saw all kinds of scriptures. We didn't touch on all of them, but we showed many of them that says, Repent of your sins and return to God. We learned that this isn't optional, but rather it is necessary. Without repentance, there is no salvation. For a believer, repentance is necessary to maintain an intimate relationship with God. Or else what happens? The opposite, we fall away. That's a doctrine that's not too big in this world today. It's throughout the Bible, you best stay, stay focused on the Lord. Try to do the best we can to point that out and show it. In the Old Testament, a person repenting would put on sackcloth and ashes and cry and wail and fall on the ground, and that was an outward uh, uh, appearance of repentance that they did. But the New Covenant and the New Testament, Jesus went to the heart of the matter. You remember he said, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If you hate your brother, if you've killed him with this, you might as well take a gun and shoot him because in heaven's eyes, it, you've murdered that person. You've destroyed their character if we're slandering and doing those kinds of things. And so he came to the heart of the matter and he let us know, and we're going to get into it in a minute, that, but he was letting us know that he sees those things and it's been a progression of, the, of learning from all the way from the beginning of time up until now. And so what we're learning now, and we have to look at ourselves, and that's not fun, is it? Look at yourself and see a flaw. That is hard to do. It's hard to hear it from the Lord, and sometimes we've gotten to the place we just shut our ears down and don't even listen to him no more. Conviction doesn't happen. We get mad at the guy that's telling the message, but we as believers, I think what we've been showing here, we got to keep each other in check. It's not that we're trying to hurt one another. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven with me, and I hope you want me to go to heaven with you, and therefore we keep each other in check. It's easy to get off on a, on, a, on a bad place. Am I right? Anybody agree with me on that? You're having a good spiritual walk and maybe for six, eight months or a couple of years and the next thing you know, the bottom falls out. It seems like nothing goes right. 
You know, we've been dealing for six years with Sweetie's mom with cancer, and I'm going to tell you, it's been one of these rides for the whole family, including the preacher. It's a, it's a ride, and it's hard, and you're praying, and you're asking God to touch and heal because we know he can. But again, we, we see, okay, Lord, what are you doing? We have to hold on to what his purpose is. We have to be into his will, and uh, if we're not, uh, that's actually sin, not being in God's will. We look at the big stuff. We ain't robbing banks. We ain't taking dope. We ain't, you know, all, you know, we look at stuff like that. But folks, he gets down to the nitty gritty with us. That's what the Lord Jesus does. He's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. And repentance, folks, is simply this. It is change. And it's change in our whole personality from a sinful course of action to God. It's when we reorient our mind and our will away from sin and toward God. Now, I can change my mind but may not actually be persuaded to something. You ever sit in a meeting and they ask for the eyes and for the nays? Then you ask for people to submit or to abstain? Those are folks that are saying, you know what, I'm going to go along with you, but I don't get it. That's what he's talking about. Okay, I kind of see it, I don't get it. I'm going to go along with it for now, but I'm not totally persuaded. And that's, that's one of the things that... that uh, that he's pointing to here, but whenever we repent, we're totally all in. We're all in. Matthew 15 and 19 says, For out of your heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. He's letting us know that, that uh, those kinds of things is what defiles us. It's what's inside of the heart. See, it's not just a, a mind change, but it's a deeper heart change that happens to us. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, I'm not sure I believe all this. What you think in your heart is actually what you believe. You can't just talk it. What he, what he thinks in his heart. I'm going to tell you, there's two that knows what you think in your heart. There's two that knows what I think in my heart. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ in me. That's the Lord Jesus Christ in you. Doesn't matter what persuading we do to anybody else. What matters is, is what we know. And what really matters is what he knows. And he knows it all. See, the way we perceive life deep inside dictates our actions and responses. That's what defines us. You say, well, I don't want to be defined by my behavior. And it's not a pleasant thought at all. But that's a truth that cannot be ignored. Matthew 7 and 16, you will know them by their fruits. I want to help you with that one. You see, I'm not a sin hunter. Neither should you be. A good way to say that good way I think to say that is I will know me by my behavior by my fruit and it's okay to understand and I'm not trying to take away anything but if you're teaching me something you're telling me something I need to know where you're at 
Primarily, though, for me, I need to know where I'm at. I need to look at the guy in the mirror and just know where he is. And that's what he's telling us. Yes, we will know them by their fruit. What does that do for us as a believer? Do we avoid them? No, we don't. Some guy tells me I'm saved and then his life is showing something different. Then I can say, here's somebody who is deceived in themselves. I'm going to start praying for them, for one. Because only the Holy Ghost can do what needs to be done in their life. He may choose to use me. He may choose to use one of you. But I've got to follow his leading. So I'm able to see that fruit. And that means we can talk openly with one another. You see, pride gets in the way that we won't do it. I'm afraid you'll get mad at me, Brother Murphy, and never speak to me again. But I can't say that I love him and not take truth to him that God reveals. And he can't in the same way. This is a two-way road. And if Jesus is in the middle of it, I promise you this, he will see us through to where there will be a good fruit that will come forth. If Jesus is in it. When you see people doing this kind of stuff, God's not in that. He's not in that at all. And so we've been talking about this the last week and talking about repentance. And so we're going to get in now to what is tolerated sin. See, we're, we're at the point now we're starting to wrap up and get to the place of what to do about it. Remember I told you, know there's a problem, identify the problem, find the solution, and put it into action. Everybody and their brother is good about knowing there's a problem, and everybody and their brother is good about talking about it. But there ain't many of them that'll go looking for the solution, and there's even fewer that will put it into action. That is why our nation's in the shape it's in. That's why the churches are growing weak in our generation today. You can say amen if you want to, but we don't have a whole lot of people in this community sitting in these seats, and that is because we have weakened ourselves. We have to make sure that we're taking the word of God out to people. Now, we can do Easter egg hunts. That works. But there are people that everybody in here knows that you know they're not going to church. Maybe they're not saved. You know by the fruit, what are you doing about it? It may be your mother, your father. It might be your kids. What are you doing about it? Because I can tell you right now, Jesus Christ went and hung on a cross so that they could be saved. That's why he went to the cross. He overcame sin. He empowered us so that we could live a life above sin. Now there's a teaching today that says, well, you know, we're all going to sin a bit. No! I've lost some weight, so I know what my belly pushed it off. I forgot where I was, yes. Yeah, I can see my shoes, Brother Will. It's because I got long feet. But let's look at what the Bible says. 
we're, go, we're going to go into Revelation 2. You remember he wrote a letter to seven churches, right? Seven churches of Asia. Now, if what he wrote was just for those seven churches in Asia, it would not be in the Bible. It was there for us too. And so when we read through this and go through this, what we're going to do is we're going to read it as if he's talking to Huddleston. Will that be okay with you? Because that's how we need to do it. And so, and so we're going to look at what Jesus has to say. Now, he, he's addressing this church, and he lays out some things that's a little tough. So you know what? If the shoe fits, we've got to put it on and wear it. And you know what? We're either going to be strengthened by his praise or we're going to be chastened by his loving correction. Correction is not being mean and being mean-spirited. Jesus did it all the time. He said, I want you to spend eternity with me, but we've got to walk on this path. And I don't care who you are, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you are a pastor or a preacher, a speaker, and going up, and even believers in the, your friendly circles and in your families, when we're trying to point somebody to something, it's not a, a, a being mean. It, it, it's about our love for them. Because sometimes we can get a, a blinded a little bit, can't we? Can't see things clearly. Have all kinds of influences that will come inside of our minds. And all the time the Lord Jesus is saying, let me get you over here. You're walking down here, but I want you up here with me. And you can get there. Don't let nobody tell you you can't get there because the Bible teaches that. He teaches us that we can get there. So let's look at this church he's talking to of Thyatira. Uh, and it's in Asia. And we're going to look at verse 18 of chapter 2 of Revelation. And the angel of the church in Thyatira, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. Now that is something to think about, isn't it? That's something to really think about. It's something to chew on. His eyes are like laser beams. They see to the deepest and innermost parts of our hearts. That's why the scripture, you know, it can cut asunder. It's two-edged sword separating the bone from the marrow. Do you know his scalpel is so fine he can cut the marrow out of a bone, never destroy the marrow, and never destroy the bone? His eyes are like laser beams. They ain't know where you've been that Jesus don't know about. They ain't no thought you've ever had that Jesus don't know about. And that's why he gets to be the righteous judge. That's who he is. He is the righteous judge. But his strength is defined by his fine brass feet. That shows how strong he is. Don't you think for a minute he can't pick you up and carry you through? Don't you think for a minute that he can't overcome the evil that so easily besets us? He can overcome it all, and he can carry every one of us. It was only one man that went to the cross and shed his blood for us. It was Jesus. One of the six, eight pints of blood in a body, he dropped every bit of it, and it was enough for everybody in the world from the beginning of time to now and until it ends. That was precious blood. And that was his amazing grace, by the way. And he extends it to us every single 
day. I want you to hear what I'm going to say here in a minute because I know it sounds like I've been harping on it, but we've got to go through it. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to take what he gives us, and he is going to see us through if we will hang on to him. He starts out by praising us. Look at verse 19. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, they at the last are more than the first. He's saying as far as works go, you're doing better now than you was back in the beginning. You're growing. That's what he's talking about. This is a church that is growing. It's not a dead church. It's a church that's growing. And he gives them that. And he begins by acknowledging and complimenting our love. A lot of people come into our church and they say, the one thing I like is the love that you extend. And we continually grow to the, be at that place. Ain't nobody can come, not come through that door back there, or over here, or over there. I mean, we got all kinds of doors. Next thing you know, we'll put a hole in the ceiling. But there ain't nobody that's outside of this church today that may not know who Jesus Christ is that they ain't welcome here. I don't care what color they are. I don't care from what background they come from, what their ethnicity is. I don't care what they did yesterday or the week before that. I don't care what it is because I still believe in the power of God. I still believe in what the gospel can do. And therefore, I don't worry about them coming and being close to me. Now, let me touch you chew on something for a minute. We go and buy food at the drugstore. I mean, at the drugstore. Woo. Yeah, we do our shopping down at CVS. We go to the store, but it don't sell all the wholesome stuff, does it? But we still go there. And when we go to get food, we're around all kinds of people. We don't know what kinds of fruits they are. Some of them are as lost as they can be, and some of them ain't. And some of them's on the journey and, and still growing. Sadly, there are some that are there I think they done got it made this way for Jesus to come back. Friend, if that's you, let me tell you something. Get off of that soapbox right now because God is still working on you. Yeah. Sanctification is happening daily. It is in kin. I don't know about y'all, so if that's the case, maybe y'all, I don't know. He needs to be working on us daily, and we need to be growing. And there will be plenty of people to remind us of where we were. Hang on to Jesus because Jesus will get you through. I ain't that guy no more. Hey, man, I ain't that guy no more. My babies know about a Christian home. I didn't. My mom and daddy got saved. Praise God, they got saved, and I'm going to go join them someday. I ain't letting nobody keep me from it. I want to hang on to Jesus, and I need you to help me because on those days when I might get a little bit down, I need you to pick me up. I need you to give me a piece of truth. Even though I may not like it, you give me that piece of truth because when that gets in here and goes into here, gets inside the heart, oh, I'm going to be an overcomer then. That's this series, being overcomers. And that's what this is all about. So we can be the overcomers. This church wasn't just hanging on. They weren't just waiting for Jesus to come back. Folks ride around, through, especially through the northeastern part of the nation. There are places that's three times the size of this. It's got ten people in them. At one time, they were flourishing churches. You know what happened? Well, I'm going to tell you. Remember me telling you all the statistics about believers, and I'm not going to go through all that again, but, well, yeah. 
They was waiting on Jesus to come back. How has a Christian nation got the things going on in it that it does if we're the majority? Go figure. Somebody ain't talking to somebody. Somebody either ain't living it or something. I don't know what it is, but folks, that's the pudding, and the proof is in it. These places were growing, and they were large, but they didn't keep about his business, waiting for him to come back. Oh, we're just waiting on Jesus to come back. In 1970, how, when did you, when did you, you started in the 60s, didn't you, Pastor? And you've always taught against abortion, ain't you? Everybody that's come through the doors heard that, and everybody, I know you, everybody you've had a chance to talk to has heard that. But there's so many that didn't. Every 90 seconds, somebody's killing a baby. Now, we may be preaching it, are you getting it? Are you taking it in? See, it's not about who we are and if we're walking right. Yes, we need to do that. But the truth comes from the Word. And we have to check it out. We have to follow the Word. Folks, what I've been telling you, we've got to do the book. We just have to do the book. But he's, he's praising this church, and then all of a sudden, it turns to cor correction. In verse 20 of Revelation 2. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself, notice that, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things that are sacrificed to idols. What he's talking about is false teaching. You remember who Jezebel was, right? Yeah, we still got the spirit of Jezebel. During this time frame in the Roman Greco literature, there is no mention of the name Jezebel. I didn't search it all. I took somebody else's word for it. I'll let you know that. But you don't find Jewish people calling their babies Jezebel. And you don't find Christian people calling their babies Judas. How many Judases do you know? How many Jezebels do you know? That's why. They don't have a good name. They didn't set well with the Lord. But who is Jezebel? And this isn't so much about a person, but rather a way of thinking or behavior. See, it's like calling somebody who, who jokes all the time a comedian. That ain't their name. That's their behavior. You apply that to them. You don't name them a comedian. Well, it's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's talking about this way of Jezebel. And, and what Jezebel is doing is, is, is she is she's teaching people wrong. She's teaching people. You know, it's talking about sexual immorality, and it's talking about eating foods made to idols. Well, you know, Paul talked about it doesn't matter. An idol ain't anything. Now, if it offends you, Danny, that I eat a food uh, that somebody used to an idol, that's okay, then I won't do it. But what Paul was saying, it's not a problem. It's an animal. Okay? But what she is doing, that sexual immorality. Remember I, several weeks back we talked about you can't be married to, to Jesus and to the world. Look at it from a marriage point of view. I can't be married to Sweetie and dating 15 of you women. 
I don't know what man would want to do that. He's stupid. If it's in his heart. And that's what he's talking about. This immorality, this adultery is you're talking about Jesus. You got an appearance like Jesus. You're dressing up like Jesus. You know some of the jargon. But the actions are different. And that is the spirit of Jezebel. And not only that, Jezebel's gotten in here and she's starting to teach that kind of doctrine. She's starting to teach people that it's okay. You're saved. You're good to go. Let's go get a six-pack. Let's go buy some heroin. Let's go to the X-rated store. While we're at it, we'll use our cell phone and we'll get on and we'll talk about a few people while we're at it because, folks, all that stuff sits in the same boat. We're going to slander and we're going to do some gossiping. And Jezebel says, that's okay. You said the sinner's prayer. You're good to go. Just hang in there. How's that working out for us? We are reaping what has been sowed in our nation today. Churches are reaping what has been sowed. People want to come and see a nice concert. People don't want to hear truth. More truth is either going to set you free or it's going to set you out. And you're going to decide which is going to happen. That's what the Lord gives to us. But you see, Jezebel, he's talking so much more about like her fruit. You remember Jezebel, she was a lady that, uh, she was a Phoenician queen, and she married this guy by the name of Ahab. He was king. I told you all about this back in the beginning of the series, but I'm going to touch it again real quick. And uh, she brought in the sexual immorality. That's what she brought in, the asterisk poles. It was kind of like if you looked at porn today. Okay. I don't like if you do that kind of stuff. And she had the leaders and the speakers so scared to go against her because she was killing people if they went against what she had to say. So scared that all of Israel was living in a place of immorality, of idolatry. All because the people were afraid to say something, and rightfully so, because the leadership was afraid to say something. And that is how it gets in. If there was a guy by the name of Elijah, he had the guts to stand up to her. One man throughout this whole nation stood up to her and said, Look, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and uh, you, know, you know the story about the fire being called down and all the rain and all the stuff. You know, I'm not going to re rehash all that. But it was a miraculous thing that happened. But look at 1 Kings 18 and 21. See, Elijah, he spoke against her and her teaching. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, let's call that practice sin, if Baal, then follow him. Look at what happened. But the people answered not a word. They said absolutely nothing. They didn't say yes. They didn't say no. They were indifferent. 
That's what was going on. So here's this guy is. He don't even have a backing now. He's up here talking, and the only thing he's dependent on is God, and he is surrounded. You better be hanging on to God whenever you start going against evil. You better be walking real close to him when you start going against evil. Because I'm going to tell you now, the devil will open up all the doors. He will come at you with everything he has and then some. He's going to use whoever he can, however he can, he's going to do that. Because he wants to keep people down. God wants to raise people up. And so you go in here and, and, and he stood up with Jezebel. You see, there is no following God with silent faith. We are to speak his word and to be the ambassadors that will take this word out. In 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. Look at that. He's telling Timothy, man, don't let these people hold you back. I don't care if you are young. God's called you. He's anointed you. He's going to use you. You hang on to him and you convince the people. You rebuke the people. You exhort the people with all long-suffering and teaching. Be patient, but continue to give it. You see, that is a minister there. That is a minister there. I'm not going to throw you out with a bathwater. We'll just keep on teaching you. We'll just keep on loving if you'll let us. We'll just keep on because someday the Word of God is going to make a decision. And I'm either going to be preaching your funeral and saying, well, I wish you'd have got it, or I'll be preaching your funeral and saying, you know what, I know he got it. There's some fruit on that tree. There's some fruit that's pointing to Jesus. Amen? It makes me sick to hear people get up and talk about how good people, well, they've gone to a better place. If they know Jesus, they are. If they didn't know Jesus, they've gone to hell. Well, they're better off. I don't think so. If you believe in the watchtower people, you're living in hell now, but they ain't got it right either. When the Holy Ghost leaves this earth, when the church gets raptured out of here, you ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to bad. You ain't seen nothing yet because evil is just, you know, the Lord's walking by, you know, just like with the wind. They're out there on the water and the waves are trashing around and they're like, oh, Lord, save us. Be still. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's just a little old bitty runt that likes pestering us and messing with us. And right now, he's chipping at our heels. And sometimes the Lord says, yeah, go ahead and take a bite out of them. I need to get them straight. They need to see this. They need to understand this. I'm telling them they're not listening. So now they've got to experience something. But you can't have them. They're going to make their own decision. And that is what the Holy Ghost is doing. So the devil wants to kill every one of us. And God says, uh-uh, not yet. He's denied me a thousand and fifty times, I know. I'm going to give him 1,050 more chances maybe. We don't know. You better make it right today. You don't know. You don't know. Sexual immorality, you sleeping with your boyfriend and your girlfriend? Those people are going to be judged. Oh, well, I'm getting married next week. You ain't married yet. The Bible says to repent. That's what it says. You get in a car wreck today, guess what? You're going to have one of them funerals and it won't go too well. Mom and daddy and all your friends and everybody sitting around you, they ain't going to like hearing it either. Because they want to be uplifted and the guy that stands up here and preaches that message at that thing, he's going to get talked about. 
Well, he really ran them down. Well, I'm not going to run anybody down, but I'm going to tell you this. If you know Jesus, you go to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, you don't. And he talks about repentance. I told you last week there are over 500 commands in the New Testament. Search them out. And when he makes it known to us, he lets us know what's there, we have to do something about it. That's decision time. Anybody make any decisions today? Go left, go right, put on blue jeans, put on slacks, put on a jacket, comb your hair, brush your teeth. You made decisions. You're going to make decisions when you leave here. Already talking about where we're going to eat lunch at after church. What we're going to do, talking about tonight, making plans. We're making decisions constantly, but the most important decision you ever make will be for Jesus Christ. Let him come in. Let him, let him come in and have his way. See, Elijah, he was the only man in Israel who loved others enough to show the people how their lives were wrong. There's not many people doing that today, folks. You don't love them, you're telling them this. No, I do love them. That's love. That's love. And he loved them enough to tell them what the truth was. Jezebel's impact on the people of that nation and of that community was so big and she just intimidated people that the word of God was not even spoken anymore the word of God had no power now how, let me ask you the question there how does God's word not have power it's all powerful isn't it it has power whenever we let it come alive in our lives you were waiting for some kind of fancy feeling to hit you or something like, yeah, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Stick with the truth. Stick with the truth. Let the Lord do his work. He's not willing that any should perish. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they're at. But you see, these people, by doing what they did, they allowed practice sin to gain the upper hand in their society, and it took one guy, Elijah, to come in and talk to them and let them know what was going on. See, Jesus is a, he's addressing spiritual and doctrinal unfaithfulness is what he's talking about. That's what Jezebel was doing. She was teaching wrong. She was showing people the wrong way. And Jesus is addressing the issue that we need to pay attention to. It's called tolerance. He isn't so much talking about the individuals, but he's talking about those that are teaching the seduction, the seduction. He's the ones that's talking about them. That's who he's really addressing. If you're teaching people this, well, let me ask you something. You may not be teaching in a Sunday school class, but do you talk to people? Do they ask you questions? How do you walk? That says everything. Revelation 2 and 21, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. You see, he gives a space to repent. And evidently, it wasn't heated. Evidently, he had said, You're going to, you need to repent, but it, nothing happened. And he sharply corrects anyone who allows it to continue and not confronting it. That's what he's talking about to the church. And so that's what we, we need to have inside of our spirits. You see, it's the same difference as the Titanic. Everybody remember the story of the Titanic? It couldn't be sunk, could it? Well, that's what they said. And their actions proved that they believed it partially. 
If it couldn't be sunk, why did they have any life jackets in the rescue boats at all? <laughs> they believed it, I guess, some, but they had some rescue boats on there, life jackets, but they didn't have enough for the people. And all the while, the boat is sinking. They're giving them a nice, feel-good message. All be fine. As a matter of fact, did you ever see the movie The Titanic? You remember water's coming rushing into the ballroom and the dudes are still sitting there whittling on the fiddles. Then they moved them to the top deck. Like, oh, maybe it's going to stop now. People died because they didn't heed the warnings. People died because they believed wrong inside of their hearts and in their brains. They died because they couldn't see beyond what somebody had told them. And death came anyway. It came anyway. It's the same thing with us. My job is to get you to think. My job is maybe to point out things. And it might happen individually. Oh, I love it when that time comes. I'm loving it when a homosexual walks through that door back there. And we get to point them to Jesus. Can you imagine the testimony? Would it not strengthen your faith when somebody comes in and says, Oh, well, I'm Bob and I like Steve. Well, Bob, uh, you can't like Steve in that way. That's not what the Bible teaches. And let us sit down and let us reason with you. We're not condemning you. We're telling you that if you stay in this, you're going to go to hell. We're telling you that you can't be with Jesus and practice sin. And we amen that to death, but whenever I get up here and talk about gossiping and the things that go on every day when we can't keep the phones put down, it's all the same boat. Trying to slander people, knocking people down. Well, you might as well go ahead and find you a dude. Because it's the same stuff. Come on, folks, get with me on this. I need you to catch up. It's the same stuff, and therefore, yeah, my job's to tell that fella that, but my job's to tell this fella that too. And then love him through it. I love Ryan to death, but he's had a whipping or two. Maybe three. That was one of the days Sweetie wasn't there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm being mean. You see, there was a fellow by the name of Jude. He had the same idea. He wanted to write to these people, and he wanted to let them know, I want to lift you up and encourage you. But I can't. I've been talking with God, and God says, I've got to write this. Let's look at what he wrote, Jude 1 and 3 and 4. <sighs> Beloved, why I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend. What does a contender do? He's defending. He's fighting. Right? Don't we hear that in the boxing matches or UFC when we watch that? And the contender is, you're defending it. You're coming in, you're fighting, you're fighting for it. To contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men, now check this out, have, have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this uh, condemnation. Ungodly men, check this out, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jude's genuine love, it compelled him to write these protective words for these people. 
He was protecting them. He wasn't knocking them down. He wasn't trying to beat them up. He was trying to protect them from the devil, from the evil one. That's what Jude was doing. And these ungodly, they're disguised as pastors and teachers or believers. And they teach a permissive grace rather than an authentic, empowering grace. That's what happens. And they've took the grace of God and they've turned it into lewdness. Something that's wrong. Something that's perverted. Something that ain't right. Ooh. See, permissive grace... It doesn't guard against or enable us to walk away from sin. It permits us to live with little or no godly boundaries at all. I know some people, they're saved. They go to church every week and they are sinning one thing after another. And you try to talk to them and no, they don't want to hear that. I've got grace covering me. That's what Jude is talking about. I wanted to lift you up, but I had to warn you. I had to warn you that there's something wrong that's wrong that's being told. It's, it's going out that it wasn't what God intended. You see, grace that is reduced to merely co- a covering blanket rather than an empowering force, it leaves people free to follow the desires of their fallen nature. And that is not the purpose of God's grace. We just sang about amazing grace a minute ago, didn't we? That's not the purpose of it. Paul was another one. He was a caring father who looked out for his people. And he, wouldn't, he didn't stay silent when he was talking about divisions and strife and immorality and lawsuits and covetousness and, and all other ungodly stuff and activities that go on. He loved them too much to let them keep walking that way. I want you to understand this morning, brothers and sisters, that when I have a conversation with you, when I'm in the pulpit, it's coming from love. And buddy, whenever you come to me, because I need you to do that, it needs to be in love so that we get to the the right place, a place of being uplifted and and a place of freedom. Edmund Burke wrote, All that is necessary for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. People have strongholds that develop in their life. And if we remain silent, they'll always be bound up. They will always be bound up. Now I'll tell you, listen to what people say. We drive by here and we see your cars in the church parking lot on Sundays and Sunday night, not so many on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights. Yeah, I throw that in there. And we see you when you get out on Sunday evenings when we're on our way to do whatever we're going to do and you're all dressed up to the nines, dressed up pretty. We've even been to an Easter service or two. And we really liked it. We really enjoyed it. We hear you talking about God's love and talking about God's grace. We hear all that, but we sit back and watch you, and we don't see any evidence of this almighty God that you're claiming about. You know why? Practice sin. 
practice sin. And we gotta, we gotta, we gotta face these things. We gotta be able to come out, help ourselves, holding on to the Lord. Because you see, folks, when it comes down to it, there's a couple different outcomes. Revelation two and twenty-two. Indeed, I will cast her into the sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent. There's that word again, repent of their deeds. I will kill her children to death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. And he was lifting this church up, but he did have some things to say to them. Huddleston, he's talking to us. He's talking to Ken, and he's talking to you. He's talking to us. But see, look here in in, in verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. You see, if we listen to him and we overcome, we receive a reward. If we don't listen to him and we don't overcome, we receive another reward, but we don't call it a reward. We reap what we sow. And that's what this is all about. See, Elijah, he stood against Jezebel. Remember this. Elijah stood against Jezebel. And God protected him. He provided for him. He protected him. And I'll be quite honest with you. There's been some times that I've got in this pulpit and I've been scared to death. Afraid there's going to be a lot of faces I ain't going to see no more. I have. Because the devil will get you to thinking. Got school to pay for, got college to pay for, da 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 And I have to remember the day that I was praying, actually days, about whether or not to do this. I asked the Lord, and I asked Brother Murphy, you better make sure you don't leave me and help me out with what I need. He said he would, and God said he would, and both have. He's going to die someday. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I was about to say, I hope, you, I hope I outlive you, but that don't sound too nice. But it's a good possibility that you're going to go to heaven before I am, just looking at our age. But God will always be there. We got to hang on to him. And friends, you got loved ones that need to know some truth. You got to give it to them. And today, if you don't have that kind of courage, that's your order today to pray for. I don't like confrontation. Neither do I. I spent a career, two, almost two careers now. I'm in my second career that seems to have a lot of confrontation in it. One of them was by choice. Well, yeah, they both were. I did choose to do it. One of them was 22 years wearing a badge, and it was every day full of confrontation. Wasn't it, Brother Jeff? You know how it goes. Brother Berkeley, you know how it goes. You wore a badge. It's confrontation day in and day out. I'm looking for some peace. I'm looking for us to all just fly around like little fat babies with wings, like angels. But I also know that this calling is something else. And I also know he's going to hang on to me. He's going to keep me okay. He's going to keep my family okay. He's going to keep every one of you okay. 
So I want you to pray today because we're going to open up the altar. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first priority. If you haven't asked him to come into your heart and to save you, that's your first priority. If you've been saved for five minutes or five years or 50 years, you need to ask him, Lord, help me to overcome those things that are stripping me up. Those things that when people look at me, they don't always see Jesus, and I know it, but I just can't do nothing about it or I refuse to do something about it. We need to talk to him about that. That's what we need to pray for too. But I want you to really pray today. God, give me love for people like you have that I can have that confrontation about them. Not a bad spirit, not, not like I said, not a sin hunter, but not afraid to go to somebody with truth that will set them free. You see, if Danny is always mean and angry, never happy, you ever know Christians like that? They love Jesus, but you know what? If they didn't have something to complain about, they would never talk. Danny always knows everything that needs to be done, and he needs to make sure he lets the preacher know. Preacher's done said, I'm praying to Jesus, and whenever he says what we're going to do, we're going to follow him. But I do know this. At some point, at some point, the Spirit of God can get all over this man, and now instead of being somebody who sows strife and discord, He's now a worker for Jesus and winning souls. And now instead of praying against the preacher, he's praying with the preacher and for the preacher. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to get straight with you right now. If you're praying against Ken, you better make sure Jesus is doing the same thing. If you're praying against Brother Wayne, you better make sure that Jesus is doing the same thing. Or the guy up the road, I don't know what his business is. That's between him and Jesus. But I'm telling you now, we have to get on the same boat because this boat's leaving. And it's only going one way. And it's going to have some righteous people on it. Don't let nobody tell you that we can't get to a place of righteousness. Don't let nobody tell you that we can't reach that pinnacle. Because if we do, then we start picking and choosing what sins are okay and is covered by grace and what ones ain't. I can go to any country church and preach against homosexuality in the country like this and people be swinging from the rafters, talk about other stuff, and they get mad. It's all the same boat. So pray this morning. I want you to pray for you. I want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray to be able to have that spirit to be able to confront people with love like Jesus does. Because that's the only way he can use you, and that's the only way we see a change in our world. That is the only way. We can have any kind of number of speakers you want to have. We can have any number of artists come in here, and we'll have fun for a night. But by tomorrow, we're still picking up the phone. We're still whining and moaning. Nothing's never changed. I'm telling you now, Jesus Christ can change that in us. Amen? You got a song on your heart, brother? Get some dudes together and some ladies and come on up. If y'all need to, now if you're going to play music and you need to pray, you pray first. We can sing. Not as good as y'all, but we can sing. But I want you this morning, folks, be real. Because you ain't fooling nobody. Remember, he's got those eyes that are like laser beams. And those laser beams 
No. And he loves those whom he chastens. So if he's talking to you and he's chastening, then repent. That's all we can do, repent. And hang on to him. Ain't this been tight? It was great. But it's right. Thank you. Come this morning and pray. Come and pray. Stand to your feet if you can. If you want to, pray where you're at. We got some folks that want to be altar workers. We had a class this week about that. Come and pray. And altar workers, let the Spirit of God lead you. You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to follow what he's doing. That's the devil. But let him work. That might just be the very thing that you need to see this week. To come and pray for those that are seeking God. Those that have things that are just, just on their back all the time. Oh, they need to be lifted up. And the truth will set you free. That's what we got to hold on to. That's what we got to hold on to. Oh, Father, we love you today. Almighty God, we give you the glory today. And we ask today, Holy Ghost, that you come into this house and that those that are here within the sound of our voice, Lord, that they are seeking you. They're seeking you to touch them. They're seeking you with all the issues that they face. Lord, won't you just bring them forward? Won't you bring them to the place that they can receive from you? Oh, Lord, we give you the glory for what your work is going to do, what your hand is going to do. And we're going to have that praise. We're going to be able to praise you. We're going to be able to praise you because you have touched those. Touch those, Lord, that are seeking you and seeking your way. Oh, Lord, help us to be able to turn everything inside of us right over to you, Lord. Turn it over to you. For you already see, you already know, but Lord, help us to see how you see. Help us to know how you know. Oh, God, we need you to come in. We need to be the hospital for this nation. We need to be the hospital for this community. We need to be the hospital for those that are our friends and our loved ones. We need to be the doctor that's going to take that truth. We need to just hold on to your hand, Lord Jesus, and walk wherever you lead us to, to be able to give to those that have need. Oh, Father, let us see what the true benefits of your truth are. Oh, God, help us to see. Help us to see how you show. Help us, Almighty God, to reach out and have an intercessory prayer for ourselves. Have an intercessory prayer for those that we know and love. Oh, God, pour into us. Pour into us the spirit that you want us to have. Lord, we give you the praise this morning.